0: European Hearts Journal Issue at a Glance Volume 38, Issue 3 Focus Issue on Acute Coronary Syndromes by Editor-in-Chief Professor Thomas Lucia Outcomes of Acute Coronary Syndromes Clinical Presentation, Gender, Inflammation and Cell Therapy Acute coronary syndromes still account for most of the morbidity and mortality in Western countries. Thus, research in this area of cardiology is still needed. The most recent developments in the past year are summarised in a special article The Year in Cardiology 2016 Acute Coronary Syndromes, authored by Filippo Crea and colleagues from the Università Cattolica del Santo Cuore in Rome, Italy. 2016 brought several studies on the pathophysiology of acute coronary syndrome on the role of basophils and eosinophils new puzzling data have also emerged on the mechanisms of very late stent thrombosis and the role of neutrophils in ventricular remodeling novel information has been published on the early diagnosis of acute coronary syndromes using high sensitivity troponin and the role of new exciting biomarkers and clinical scores on risk stratification furthermore The duration of dual antiplatelet therapy and on the management of the growing population of octogenarians have attracted a lot of interest. Finally, new interesting information has been published on the outcome of specific patient subsets. Commonly, acute coronary syndromes are caused by either plaque rupture or erosion of a major epicardial coronary artery. However, some patients present with symptoms, ECG features, and biomarkers compatible with an acute coronary syndrome, yet coronary angiography does not reveal significant stenosis or occlusion of a coronary artery. Stefan Ageval and colleagues from the ESC Working Group on Cardiovascular Pharmacotherapy address this issue in their current opinion, ESC Working Group Position Paper on Myocardial Infarction, with non obstructive coronary arteries, Minoka. They note that myocardial infarction with non obstructive coronary arteries is a heterogeneous entity with a prevalence of 1 to 13% of all patients with a clinical diagnosis of acute myocardial infarction associated with up to 5% risk of death or recurrent myocardial infarction over one year. The authors propose several potential etiologies that need to be elucidated by a commonly agreed diagnostic algorithm. Rational treatment follows from an etiologic diagnosis, since therapy that may be appropriate for one cause, for instance anticoagulation for embolic infarction or calcium channel blockers for vasospasm, will not be appropriate for all myocardial infarction with non-obstructive coronary arteries patients. For patients with a myocardial infarction with non-obstructive coronary arteries without an obvious etiology after initial evaluation, including echocardiography, the authors recommend a routine examination with CMR imaging. Multi-centre clinical trials of diagnostic and therapeutic strategies are needed to broaden the evidence base of this disease entity as their results will have great impact on both treatment and prognosis of such patients. Over the past decade, more men than women have shown improved outcomes after acute coronary syndrome, which raises the question of whether sex-specific differences in antithrombotic treatment patterns and response to treatment exist. In a clinical review entitled A Review of Sex-Specific Benefits and Risks of Antithrombotic Therapy in Acute Coronary Syndrome, Tracy Wang and colleagues from the Duke University Medical Center in Durham, North Carolina, USA, note that differences in presenting clinical characteristics, pathophysiological profile, and disparities in treatment may contribute to this outcome's discrepancy. Analyses of large trial and registry data suggest that male and female acute coronary syndrome patients experience similar benefits from antithrombotic therapy, without significant difference in treatment utilisation rates, yet women are consistently at higher risk of bleeding compared with men. Bleeding may result in antithrombotic treatment disruption, which increases the risk of long-term thrombotic events. Additionally, female acute coronary syndrome patients are more likely to receive suboptimal medication dosing and have lower rates of long-term medication adherence. These differences have significant clinical implications for women, indicating the need for strategies that will optimise initial treatment and long-term management attuned to these recognised sex-specific gaps. The remaining mortality, despite all progress made over the last decades, warrants research into the causes of this treatment gap. In a clinical research article, 1 in 4 major ischemic heart disease events are fatal, and 60% are pre-hospital deaths, a national data linkage study. Karina Gray and colleagues from the University of Auckland in New Zealand aim to determine the incidence of major ischemic heart disease events that are fatal and where they occur in an era of rapidly falling ischemic heart disease mortality. Individual person linkage of national datasets identified all ischemic heart disease hospitalizations and deaths in New Zealand from December 2008 to November 2010. Outcome measures were obtained in individuals 1. hospitalized with ischemic heart disease and alive at 28 days, 2. in those hospitalized with ischemic heart disease who died within 28 days, 3 in those hospitalised for a non-ischemic heart disease cause, who died from ischemic heart disease within 28 days, and 4 in those not hospitalised who died from ischemic heart disease. 37,867 ischemic heart disease hospitalizations and 9,409 ischemic heart disease deaths were identified using the broad ischemic heart disease definition. Approximately one quarter of ischemic heart disease events were fatal. 4% died within 28 days of an ischemic heart disease hospitalization, 6% experienced an ischemic heart disease death within 28 days of a non ischemic heart disease hospitalization, and 14% were non hospitalized ischemic heart disease deaths. Using different event definitions, overall case fatality varied from 24 to 39% while the proportion of all deaths that were non-hospitalised was approximately 60%. 40% of deaths were first-ever events that manifested as non-hospitalised ischemic heart disease deaths. Thus, about one-quarter of ischemic heart disease are fatal, although the proportion is dependent on disease definitions and age. About 60% of all ischemic heart disease deaths occur out of the hospital, and of these, 60% are in people not previously hospitalised for ischemic heart disease. These provocative findings are further discussed in a thoughtful editorial by Annika Rosengren from Salgrenska University Hospital at Ostra in Gothenburg, Sweden. To close this treatment gap in the management of acute coronary syndromes, severe measures could be considered. First, Improved resuscitation for those dying out of hospital. Second, anti-inflammatory or immune modulatory therapies to minimise myocardial damage and remodelling. And finally, stem cell therapy. Anti-inflammatory strategies to reduce neutrophil-driven acute post-myocardial infarction injury have been shown to limit acute cardiac tissue damage, although the results of outcomes trials are still outstanding. Whether neutrophils are required for resolving post-myocardial infarction inflammation and repair is uncertain. In a basic science manuscript entitled Neutrophils orchestrate post-myocardial infarction healing by polarising macrophages towards a reparative phenotype, Sabine Steffens and colleagues from the Institute for Cardiovascular Prevention in Munich, Germany show that neutrophil-depleted mice subjected to myocardial infarction had worsened cardiac function, increased fibrosis, and progressively developed heart failure. Flow cytometry of blood, lymphoid organs, and digested hearts revealed reduced numbers of LY6C-high monocytes in infarcts of neutrophil-depleted mice, whereas the number of macrophages increased which was paralleled by reduced splenic LY6C-high monocyte mobilisation but enhanced proliferation of cardiac macrophages. Macrophage subtype analysis revealed reduced cardiac expression of M1 markers, whereas M2 markers were increased in neutrophil-depleted mice. Surprisingly, the authors found reduced expression of phagocytosis receptor myeloid epithelial reproductive tyrosine kinase, a marker of reparative M2C macrophages, which mediate clearance of apoptotic cells. In agreement with this finding, neutrophil-depleted mice had increased numbers of tunnel-positive cells with their infarcts. They further identified neutrophil-derived lipocalin in the neutrophil secretome as a key inducer of macrophages with high capacity to engulf apoptotic cells. The cardiac macrophage phenotype in neutrophil-depleted mice was restored by administration of neutrophil secretome or neutrophil-derived lipocalin. Stephens and colleagues conclude that neutrophils are crucially involved in cardiac repair after myocardial infarction by polarising macrophages towards a reparative phenotype. Therapeutic strategies to reduce acute neurophil-driven inflammation after myocardial infarction should be carefully balanced as they might interfere with the healing response and cardiac remodelling. These interesting insights are put into further perspective in an editorial by Matthias Nahrendorf from the Harvard Medical School in Charlestown, Massachusetts, USA. Another approach to limit the consequences of acute myocardial infarction, such as remodelling and pump failure, is intracoronary cell therapy. In their EHJ brief communication, Intramyocardial Stem Cell Injection. Gone with the flow, Joost Sluiter and colleagues from the UMCU in Utrecht, the Netherlands, visualized the real-time dynamics of intramyocardial stem cell injections. Their results show a massive, immediate washout via venous drainage, accounting for the low retention. The use of carriers reduced this outflow. Nevertheless, These findings put in doubt the recently employed approach of intracoronary infusion of progenitor cells. Hence, new approaches, as outlined in a recent position paper, must be developed in order to improve the current minimal effects of the so-called stem cell therapy in patients with acute coronary syndromes. Naturally secreted nanovesicles known as exosomes, are required for the regenerative effects of cardiosphere-derived cells, and exosomes mimic the benefits of cardiosphere-derived cells in rodents. Nevertheless, exosomes have not been studied in a translationally realistic large animal model. In a basic science manuscript, exosomes secreted by cardiosphere-derived cells reduce scarring, attenuate adverse remodelling, and improve function in acute and chronic porcine myocardial infarction. Eduardo Marban and colleagues from Cedars-Sinai Medical Center in Los Angeles, California, USA, sought to optimize delivery and assess the efficacy of CDC secreted exosomes in pig models of acute and convalescent myocardial infarction. In acute myocardial infarction, pigs received human CDC exosomes or vehicle by intracoronary or open chest intramyocardial delivery 30 minutes after reperfusion. No reflow area and infarct size were assessed histologically at 48 hours. Intracoronary exosomes were ineffective, but intramyocardial exosomes decreased infarct size from 80% to 61%, and preserved left ventricular ejection fraction. In a randomised placebo-controlled study of convalescent myocardial infarction, pigs underwent percutaneous intramyocardial delivery of vehicle, or CDC, exosomes, four weeks post-myocardial infarction. MRIs performed before and one month after treatment revealed that exosomes, but not vehicle, Preserved left ventricular volumes and ejection fraction while decreasing scar size. Histologically, exosomes decreased left ventricular collagen content and cardiomyocyte hypertrophy while increasing vessel density. The authors conclude that CDC exosomes delivered intramyocardially decreased scarring. Holt's adverse remodelling and improved left ventricular ejection fraction in porcine acute myocardial infarction and convalescent myocardial infarction. While conceptually attractive as cell-free therapeutic agents for myocardial infarction, exosomes have the disadvantage that intramyocardial delivery is necessary. These experimental findings and their clinical potential are discussed in an editorial by Raj Kishore, from the Temple University in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, USA. The editors hope that this issue of the European Hearts Journal will find the interest of its readers.